Ladies and gentlemen, 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 gentlemen. you are now listening to the P13 Podcast. Welcome back to the P13 Podcast. It's Tuesday when you're hearing this. And like every Tuesday, you are getting a new episode from us here at the P13 Pod. Is that the best way to call this? P13 Podcast? P13 Podcast. In Studio Pod. In Studio Pod, which is in... Big shout out to Studio Pod. We haven't given them a shout out for a while. I know. It's been a minute. The team seems to be expanding here, which is exciting. It is very exciting. I'm loving it. You heard that voice. Hello. That voice is the deep, soulful, usher-like sounds coming ah, through your microphone. Too low. Too low? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he talks pretty low when he's yeah, but in the regular... Yeah, but different octaves. I mean... I can't get there. That, you're not getting there at these, What right? I will say is, uh, I, I see the list that you pulled up. Prince, he's from my homeland. Oh, really? Of Minnesota. You didn't know that? Did I did know not that? know that. Yeah. Prince is from Minnesota. A fellow Minnesotian? Born and raised in... St. Paul, I believe. Oh, interesting. It's also where he died. Rest in peace. R.I.P. Prince. R.I.P. Prince. One of the goats. He One really of the is. Goats. Yeah. Dang. Transcended music. Uh, yeah, actually he did. And sexuality. Yeah, I, did he? Was I? I don't. I, I, don't, I, I really didn't actually. That's a, really closely, but maybe that's a weird take. But <laughs> I mean, he's he is that's Prince. Keep it in. Prince he is, is Prince. The uh, the artist formerly known as the Prince, artist formerly known as Prince. Still phenomenal. Yeah. Still phenomenal. Yeah. But anyways, that's the one and only Mr. Thomas Conway. Hello. How are you today? I am doing good. It's another good Friday in the pod, you know. Can never complain when, when we're in the pod. No, no. Also, just big shout out. So we at the gym are doing a little March Madness wellness competition. Mm-hmm. So shout out to the squad that's been participating. A lot of, we've gotten a lot of good participation this year. Yes. Everyone's doing good. Tackling those habits outside the gym and healthy habits. habits. And as a part of that, we did do a shameless but not so shameless plug (laughs) for this podcast in which you get points for listening. And so we've gotten a lot of listens recently and, you know, some new listeners that that have discovered that they actually like it. Reluctantly, they like it. (laughs) Goodry, we're talking about you. Yeah, we are. We are. I knew you'd like it. I know, Come right? But yes, we are here. And like we have said in the past, you can keep the conversation going on our Instagram. The gym Instagram is at P13Gyms. And you can maybe... At Project13Gyms. Or at Project... What did I say? At P13Gyms. Oh, Project... Gosh. Sometimes you add a .com. I know. <laughs> I didn't add it this time. It's all good. It's just the well, yeah, for the project. That's probably a pretty important thing to know about the Instagram. I right? mean, they won't find it. If I mean, I'm the. <laughs> So they'll figure it out one way or another. You can use the hashtag P13 podcast. You can. There. Yeah, we've done that. So there should be some searchable uh, hashtag P13 podcasts. So check those out. Drop us a line. Drop us a message. Drop us a question. We are always open to questions. Always. Sometimes they turn into podcast episodes. Yeah. Life is full of questions. Absolutely. You know. But anyways, let's move on. Today, we are talking about a very broad term in health and fitness, the term recovery. It is a necessary modality in fitness and health, but it can sometimes be demonized or seen as weakness. 
one such phrase that we may hear is rest break. What's a rest break? Or what's another one that we've heard? No days off. Does that count? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's one of the, yeah. You may hear go hard all the time. <laughs> go hard all the time. No pain, no gain. No it's pain, kinda, no gain. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of, you ever watched that movie? Pain uh, and gain. Pain and gain. Love it. <laughs> We're doers. The rock. And Marky Mark in that movie. Just unbelievable. Yeah. Who's the third person? My oh, Anthony Mackie. Yep, that's right. Anthony Mackie. The Falcon. Mackie, right? the Falcon. Yeah. Oh, I think he's gonna be Captain America. Or yeah, American he will Falcon. Be. I don't remember what his It gets confusing in the Marvel world. It does. Yeah. It does. It's he gets a Super Saiyan form. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Cal's uh, talking a different language now. <laughs> we have to remember that context matters though. So recovery doesn't have to be a full stop, but potentially maybe a change in the process or direction. Maybe instead of going 90%, you're going at 70%. Uh, now with that said, recovery could also include other forms or modalities. Like we said, it's a very broad term. So it doesn't just have to be movement. There's things like massages, acupuncture, walking. The context that you use for recovery for yourself matters. And much like exercise, it is individual. So before we get into this discussion, we have to remind ourselves in the context of exercise, what creates change? And to do that, we have to remember the famous formula. Mm -hmm. What is Still that? waiting on that Nobel Prize. Oh. The famous formula, you're talking about the T plus F equals R. Yeah, training plus frequency equals results. I'm going to talk about another formula in this episode. Ooh. Um, I'm like Doc Brown over here. <laughs> I love it. Pretty soon we'll have a DeLorean. So, Heard is a terrible car, though, by the way. Yeah. Anyways. I mean, a it's probably why they used it, you know? <laughs> Just he, Doc Brown found it in the junkyard and <laughs> converted it. So in terms of creating physiological change in our body, it's important to remember that you may have heard the phrase that the, the real growth happens outside the gym, right? And there's a lot of truth to that because the training that we do is a catabolic activity. Catabolic means the breakdown of tissues or fat into energy substrates, mm -hmm. or I guess, you know, another example of that could be glucose, right? Which can be from stored glucose in the body or food or whatever, but it's the breakdown of, I guess, things into things. smaller parts for energy. And additionally, when you do resistance training, there is also catabolism happening in the muscle, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what causes growth is there is a there's a stress response in the muscle that's responding to the stress that you're providing it with heavy weights mm -hmm. load volume and all that stuff and the response is that it gets stronger right and part of that is is growth of the muscle ultimately training stimulus balanced by recovery excuse me is what causes muscle to to grow and it's that is what causes the physiological change so here's the other equation. Here we go. Equation number two. Okay. You better be taking notes. If you're not, you're fired. Slash, <laughs> you're going to get an F. So the this one is T plus R equals results. No, we're going to change that. <laughs> equals growth. So yeah, or gains. Or gains. You could, so we'll say it's a G. It's a G. So gains or growth. Shout out Andre. Trying to get them gains. This one's for you. He's trying to get them gains. Trying to get them size gains. Getting on the gain train. All right. So training plus recovery equals growth. And 
the way or the reason that you can think about it like that or thinking about it like that is valuable is because if you take one piece out of the equation, the growth doesn't happen, mm. right? So you, you take out the training, you're not really going to grow. But just as importantly, and I would say they're equal in terms of importance, if you take out the recovery aspect of this equation, growth will also not happen. Mm. So boom, there's a little bit of algebra for you. Funny thing about that is always when you hear people saying, oh, I'm doing full body today, tomorrow, and Wednesday. Yeah. And it's like, okay, when does your full body get to recover? You know, I don't know. And I've seen this happen. And I mean, I've been a culprit of this as well, where mm -hmm. you, I mean, maybe you could call it, you get addicted to training or whatever, or you just think it's really fun and you just like to do it a lot. But the reality is there's a cost to it. Mm -hmm. And so if we're not, if we're not uh, being sensitive to that, then, and we just train six, seven days a week for 90 minutes to two hours at a time, there's very little time for true recovery outside of that, right? Because then you're having to take care of your daily responsibilities, mm -hmm. which are not, are not probably recovery. I mean, if you're sitting at a desk all day, then Maybe, sure, but you but. could still be like very stressed in that job that forces you to sit at the desk. I know the rest of my day consists of chasing a little guy around. <laughs> Playing um, football in the living room. Yeah, yeah, and a dog, and then coaching classes. And we'll talk a little bit more about this down the line, but there are ways that I think you can kind of build it into your program or into your routine, if you want to call it that, which I think is important to do because otherwise, more often than not, this gets overlooked. Um, and like, well, sorry not to cut you off there, but everything you're doing there, your body's constantly burning calories as well. And you're like burning through a ton of energy. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one thing is if you're training so much to the point where your body is constantly at a deficit from a caloric perspective, then it will never have the one, the, the like energy to build and repair beyond maintenance, right? Which you need that to, to get muscle growth. So that's one, to th one thing to think about. And just in terms of talking about, I mentioned catabolic activity. One thing that's interesting that people don't often think about is our metabolism is composed of the activities that break down our, our tissue, i.e. resistance training, working out, all that stuff, and anabolic activity, which is the building up or repairing of tissues. Mm. So those two things is essentially what is the equivalent of your metabolism. An example of that is, this is really sad, but burn victims, it's it's pretty well known that they require like an excess amount of calories because their body is trying to repair, your skin is one of your biggest organs, yeah. if not the biggest, I, I believe. Yep. Um, and so when there's a, a burn victim, like they're, they need to take in a lot of calories just so their body can spend time and energy repairing that tissue. So that's just one interesting thing I learned, I think, back in my anatomy yep. studies. Constantly talking about. Yeah. So it's really sad. It's really sad, but it's like, it's just an example of. It's almost like this truest form of recovery that you need. Right. It's an example, an extreme example of what's required for the body to recover. You do need those the adequate calorie amount given the stress in the case of the burn victims, severe stress, right? Given the stress that's being put on your body, obviously to a lesser degree, training, 
creates that stress, which means you're going to need to eat potentially some additional calories. And I had a conversation with a guy this week, actually, uh, Jeffrey, what's up? New member. Oh, what's up? Jeffrey? Welcome Jeffrey to the pod. So he had, he's joined probably like three, three weeks ago and he's a pretty tall guy too. So I was having a conversation with him about, Oh, is your eating changed and whatever. And he's like, I, I can tell that I'm eating a lot more. He's like, I'm not necessarily trying to gain muscle or get bigger, but he's like, just intuitively, I feel like I've been eating more because, and he's been going very hard and that's the best way to do it. Right. Is listen to your body. And if, if you're listening to your body as you're taking on new activities or whatever it may be, new stresses, uh, you're likely going to be eating an adequate amount, but it's when you, you know, oftentimes people fall into this trap of, I'm going to start training and dieting at the same time. And that can often backfire because now you're not eating enough to actually help your body create that new muscle tissue, which by the way, is going to make you better at just burning fat at rest mm-hmm. when you add muscle. So then taking this, so adding this to that piece in performance, why is it very important for me to consider my recovery? Yeah, so I've come to believe that recovery is the key to performance. I think that, and there's different factors that determine how much like recovery activities an individual needs to participate in. But I also think there's genetic factors that determine how good somebody's body is at recovering. Mm -hmm. I just think there are like if you were to look at some of the best athletes of all time, I think they have genetic factors that make them like LeBron James, yeah. for example, like I think his body can just recover really well. And you can just perform at an elite level. Yeah. For and then, and, and then the next days. day, like recover and do it again and, and all that stuff. And yeah, so there's genetics that weigh into it, but also at the same time, those athletes do participate in a lot of recovery activities. Yes. They're icing down. They got an ice bath. Um, they have a they have an ice cryo bath. room. They have, yeah, they have uh, soft tissue work that people are doing on them. Cryo. Some of them maybe even do float tanks, which we'll touch on those a little bit more. Who have been in? Yeah. But yeah, I think that that's truly what, what will determine like the longevity. Again, if we're talking about elite athletes, the longevity of an athlete's career is just them recovering. And we've talked about Mm -hmm. James Harrison who spent like three to 400 K a year on recovery. And he's one of the and he can still perform outside he can of still perform, the NFL. Yeah. But his career was also like, I, I mean, I don't know how long, but he played for a long time at Dude. one of the toughest positions as oh well. Oh my God, taking hits on hits on hits. Yeah, so. The, what's interesting though, is we're talking to re- recovery, this is more of an acute piece when it comes to the movement, like taking maybe someone who's uh, like a heavy weightlifter and taking them into more of a conditioning phase. Need for the recovery is most likely going to be this longer bout maybe I don't know how however long that is compared to someone who's already conditioned in that conditioning phase where their recovery portions what like maybe the next hour (laughs) yeah I mean yeah it really depends and and you can even take that to a more micro level like within the session Mm -hmm. within the session recovery is happening from set to set right and there's some people that that because of their background when they do conditioning work they need after a set, they need like, like three to four minutes. Mm-hmm. And then there's other people that maybe they were rowers in college, right? A good example is Shane. Yep. 
he can rest very little and uh, perform and still perform and keep going. Right. And uh, shout out Shane. What's up? A lot of shout outs today. A lot of shout outs. We love the shout outs. So that's going to, you know, there's, there's intra set or intra workout recovery as well. That's happening too. And that will, will be determined based on like the individuals like previous training. So which leads into this next part really nicely is the ability for someone to progress. How does recovery help determine that? Yeah. So I think that's again, like where recovery is the, the piece that will determine progress. Um, examples of this would be, uh, think about somebody getting an overuse injury, right? Mm -hmm. So say there's this person that they're of the mentality that, Hey, I can train six to seven days a week hard every time. But then as they go through that process, they get an overuse injury, whatever it may be like, it could be tendonitis somewhere, could be uh, tweaking of the back, mm-hmm. who knows? It could be, it could be a number of things, but for that person that will cause them to be away from their training. Potentially if it gets bad enough, mm-hmm. which usually these things do, if you keep going down that path, if it gets bad enough to the point where they're going to have to take maybe two weeks, four weeks off of, of training at, at a fairly intense level. I mean, that's lost time that you just don't get back. Yeah. Right. And, and you you could argue that even before that happens where they have to take time off, are they actually progressing a lot if they're training that much? Mm. Because the other thing is too, if you start getting nagging injuries, like your body is going to be pretty focused on keeping that area healthy. Yep. So one question is, are you still performing good at the things that involve that bar body part, whatever it is? Maybe not. Like you might, all might of a sudden be compensating. have to be lightening the load, could be compensating, yeah. who knows. On top of that, maybe you're not really gaining new muscle because you're just, again, you're just training all the time. So there's no opportunity for your body to stop and repair and go into its, into a parasympathetic state where you're resting and digesting and absorbing nutrients that you're eating and all that stuff. So in that case, if that person had prioritized their recovery, which could mean reducing the frequency of training a little bit mm-hmm. or it's fine you can train six seven days a week but you have to have some change in intensity yeah otherwise at a certain point it's just it's just going to be too much i think for most people so there's different ways that they could approach reducing intensity and adding recovery and that could have prevented like an over overuse injury could have been avoided could have been avoided anyways just like bullshit just like bullshit so we've talked about this term the recovery and at the top of the podcast we were saying that it's a very broad term maybe you could hone this in for us and kind of give us like the full basis of what we might be looking for especially in like health and fitness with recovery yeah so like we mentioned it is a fairly broad term but you know it can range it can range i would say recovery you can view on a spectrum there's full rest and then there's actual training that you can do that, that, and we use this term a lot in the gym. We'll, we'll say it to people a lot, active recovery. Mm-hmm. So there'll be times where people come into the gym and as always, we we check in with them and say, Hey, how you feeling today? Like during the warm up, sometimes people are like, man, I'm just like really tired. I slept terrible last night, whatever it may be. I'm beat up from, if it's a Thursday and they're like, I'm pretty smoked from Monday mm-hmm. through Wednesday. We'll be like, okay, well, I mean, you could totally take this as an active recovery day. So there's that spectrum of full rest to a training session like that and kind of everything in between and different modalities as well. 
it's recovery has also become a pretty popular topic because of various modalities that have become popular. It's interesting that in thinking about that, I'm not saying any of them are bad, but it's, it's kind of like, I guess a good analogy would be like the invention of diet products oh. and people like still like <laughs> being unhealthy and overweight. Yeah. So it's like we have all these recovery resources that have been created, but are people still fucked up? Like that's kind of the way to look at it. And, you know, are, that- are these being inve- like these are being invented, but we're still maybe we still have a lot of prevalences like back pain. It's yeah, like, I mean back pain, but but also it's like, are we creating these things so that we can just be like, oh, I can go ah. and like mess myself up <laughs> in my training <laughs> and not be smart. So that's just one thing that as I was like preparing for this, just just something to think it is about. A very deep thought there though. Yeah. So but some examples of recovery modalities. So one of the most popular ones is cold exposure. Yep. Right. That's always one that you see. Cold plunging, do. cold exposure, like the folks that on it are really uh, big into it, like Aubrey Marcus, stuff, Wim Hof, right? Some of those oh, yeah. people have uh, popularized cold exposure. And I've, I've played around with it a little bit myself. It's hard to get into, I would say. It's very hard. And, you know, especially I think for me, I think for me, what I've realized is the environment matters if I'm going to do that. How so? What do you mean environment? When So I don't really, I'm not really interested in doing it in my stupid shower. Oh. Like at my, not that our apartment is a dump. No, it's a live. pretty nice apartment. It's a nice apartment. It's a very nice but, apartment. Um, but it's just not the right environment. Like, so I, I guess, I see what, you I guess mean. what I mean is if I had a backyard, right, that had a cold tub, like that's what it was dedicated for. That's another story. You know what I mean? That's that's then true. I would be down to go back there, go outside, get a little grounding in, like standing in the grass and like doing maybe a little breath work and then hopping in for two minutes and hopping out. Oh, that's very true. You know what I mean? Yeah. As opposed to if I'm going to do cold <laughs> exposure at my place right now in my apartment, I got to get in the shower, which has an option to be warm and hot and comfortable (laughs) right so that option is there and as long as it's there i I might take it you know what i mean yeah so because of that i can never really get into a routine i like it's hard to get into a mindset yeah exactly so versus like maybe if you traveled to denver or and art or Alaska and you're like, fuck it. I'm just going to go jump in the. Yeah. And another example is, I mean, ocean beach is near my place. This is true. But, um, so like the sharks yeah, there, if I was at the, some, uh, if I was, if I had easier access to a cold body of water. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, it's not like impossible for me to go to ocean beach beach, but it's like a 20 minute walk and the baby <laughs> thing. Like got to. The always, key always there, watch the baby watching the that's baby. true the walk from the water back to your stuff yeah because that's gonna be, be that too <laughs> although the water is cold enough that when you and i've done this at aquatic park when you oh, get out that. yeah when you get out you're like it's warm even if it's 60 oh like because the water is that cold 
It's it's very cold. I think it's like 52 degrees. Guess what, P13? You feel it in your we bones. are going to go to Ocean Beach. Uh, <laughs> cold plunge cold retreat. Plunge. <laughs> Who's coming with me? Oh, man. We can get some. Um, but yeah, so, so there are options for that, mm-hmm. right? But it is hard to get into. Some people seem to be more into it than others. So yeah, then there are things like float tanks. Mm-hmm. I haven't played around with that at all. I've just heard about it uh, a little bit more so recently. But essentially what it is, is it is a tank that you go in yep. that the water is set to like 93 degrees, which is skin surface temperature. And it has a salinity, a saline content amount that you float in it and you get shut in there and it's pitch black. Like my you, buddy can't, was saying. you can't see your hand in front of your face and you just lay there. That's what my friend was saying when he did yeah. it. He told me so, about it. Yeah. So I think in terms of recovery and what it can actually do from a physiological perspective, I'm not exactly sure. Mm-hmm. Psychologically? Psychologically is what I've heard in terms of like it clears your mind, right? Because you're apparently you have this sensation of nothing. Mm. Like you can't feel the water on your skin but you're floating. So you don't feel anything. You don't feel anything. So it's a weird kind of sensory thing. I don't know. Maybe we'll do it sometime. Float retreat. Float retreat. But yeah, so then uh, so there's that. That I think would be interesting to research yep. a little bit more. This next one's a popular one. Very next popular. one is very popular. Massage. So there's massage. I always caution people with this because there's a few things to understand with this. And what I'm about to say has been validated by a lot of people that I've worked with that go get massages and then come back to me and they feel worse. Mm -hmm. So if you are dealing with a specific chronic issue, like for example, say you have a shoulder, you know, we'll just say it's a labral tear that you've been dealing with for a long time. And because of that labral tear, like your say it's your right shoulder, your right trap is often tight. Mm-hmm. and your right shoulder girdle is often tight. A lot of times when people that have something like that go and get a massage, they'll tell the masseuse that, and the masseuse will work into that area a lot. The problem is that the reason that your shoulder girdle and your trap and everything is tight is because it's protecting the injury, mm-hmm. right? It's protecting the joint because your body knows that there's something wrong there. Yeah. So when you loosen all that up, uh, a lot of times that makes the pain of the shoulder worse because you're because you reduce the guard, yep. you take the guard away. So it can be very relaxing, but yeah, I just think I would be mindful of that. There are different types of massage. That's one important thing to point out. There's yes. sports masseuses that might be a little bit more practiced in working with those things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know if you have more experience with that or exposure. To the that. only thing I've known is like that there's a ton of massages, but each massage kind of has more of a specific like reason for that the reason way or the way that they have set that massage. Like, yeah. And then you definitely have to do your research to find out who's able to help you out with an injury versus just like a like general said, massage, just a general yeah. massage. Yeah. Because they are very different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, I mean, that's pretty much all I got on my head. Good ad. 
But yeah, massages are, are very interesting. They're very popularized. But very. again, you need to take your due diligence to yeah. be a conscious consumer when looking. Always be a conscious consumer. Uh, this other one, I have never had experience with this. I don't know where your experiences have been with this. Also, I have. So the next one is acupuncture. Mm-hmm. I've done it twice. It was not for an injury or anything. So I don't think that I can really fully speak to the effectiveness of it mm-hmm. in terms of my experience. I do know some people that have had very positive experiences with acupuncture and similar to massage. I think there's a lot of different, yeah. yeah. And types of practitioners out there, right? So we know someone that practices acupuncture and they're very specific yep. with how they practice it. But it is a, it is, like I said, there's a few people in the gym that have told me that they get acupuncture and that they do feel positive effects from it. There's like different things that acupuncturists can do as well. I think it depends on the state and the the state guidelines on what they can and can't do. But like I've heard of acupuncturists that can put a needle in and then use e-stim on the needle, which is pretty fascinating. And it's impacts like the neuromuscular junction of like the where like a nerve innervates the muscle and can like really get it to relax that's it's really fascinating that's really yeah cool. i worked under a chiropractor that could that would do that oh wow. never had it done to myself though but actually dr chandler he had it done on him and he said it was pretty pretty interesting experience interesting. i would yeah. love to try that out actually but yeah the next one we have the is next few are all free all free and free is good. Free is good. Nothing better than free food. Breath work is the next one. And similar to the aforementioned modalities, there's a lot of different ways that you can do this, right? There is the, the most simple way. If you've never done breath work, I would recommend this, doing what's called square breathing. So what you do, get in a comfortable position. For me, that's usually just laying on my back. And... You do an inhale for four seconds, hold that inhale for four seconds, exhale for four seconds, and hold for four seconds. Mm. That's why it's called a square, <laughs> right? That makes a, that it's like you're breathing. Makes me a lot yeah. more. That makes a lot more sense than I was trying to think of. Like anatomically, do I have to like yeah. square my body <laughs> up? No. Put my feet in a cross-legged yeah. position. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, yeah. And it's really simple and it's interesting. Like I've done it before for like 10 minutes and you kind of get lost in the counting and that's mm. what like clears your mind. And before you know it, like you're just kind of losing your train of thought. Well, <laughs> you're I'm losing, you're losing your like sense of time, mm. I guess. Cause there've been times where I've done it and I'll set an alarm for like 10 minutes I've done it and two minutes in, I really get into the rhythm and that's all I'm thinking about. And then all of a sudden the alarm goes off and I'm like, whoa, that did not feel like 10 minutes. That's an easy way to start with breath work. But then there's also, like we mentioned Wim Hof earlier, that's a little bit different. There is an app, there's a Wim Hof method app. And I believe that there's some free content on there, Hmm. but it's a little bit more, it can be more intense, I guess I would say. That's not the one that shout out. Well, shout out Michael. You do like where he's almost passed out. On Michael's capucci. Oh, I didn't know he did that. 
Yeah. I mean, some people, you can get very lightheaded. Got it. Yeah. So it's, it's usually involves some form of voluntary hyperventilation in a way where you're offloading CO2. Mm. So when you voluntary, voluntarily hyperventilate, you basically dump CO2 from your blood and then you can hold your breath for a really long time. Ooh. And so that's where, cause our, our body's desire to uh, breathe is governed by our blood CO2 content. And so when you voluntary hyper, hyperventilate and like, it's almost like you create a buffer, hmm. right? And fun fact, like Navy SEALs will do that. They have to do a certain test where they have to swim a certain amount in a pool and Navy SEALs will do that. And that's why a lot of them pass out. Got it. Because you basically override your body's desire to breathe, even though it needs to breathe. It's kind of weird. I did it uh, as a science project once. <laughs> did you pass out? And it was out? fun. No, my partner was the one that was doing the... <laughs> I was counting the time for them. <laughs> oh. Yeah. They want... Well, actually, I don't know if they want to do it, but that's just how it worked out. Yeah. So then... Yeah. And there's, again, even beyond that, there's all different kinds of breath work. But just spending time working on your breath and... Being able to be more expansive with your breath, I think, is is valuable. Your breath, if you're walking outside, yes, you could be. You're breathing. Breathing. You're breathing. I hope breathing outdoor air. Yes, but also walking is great recovery work. All right, so that's one thing that people often overlook, and guess what? It gets you some extra neat. Which that, is that's right. Which is Mr. Kala non-exercise. Yes, activity points. Not. <laughs> oh, you had the third. What's the T? Non-exercise activity thermogenic. That's it. That's it. But yeah, walking is great. Recovery work gets your heart rate up, increases blood flow, increases body temperature. And that's also too maybe going to get you outside time exposure to the sun is good in appropriate amounts as well. And then the last thing in terms of recovery modalities that we mentioned earlier, low intensity training. Mm. All right. So that kind of segues into what we can consider. Yeah. Is, is recovery training, right? Mm. I've been thinking about that a lot recently and I think that it can be kind of a healthy mindset shift. So I've been doing like extra soft tissue work, especially with undertaking jujitsu. It's become very important that outside of my jujitsu sessions, I'm really focusing on keeping my body healthy. Mm -hmm. I'll do extra t soft tissue work. Some of you may have seen me playing with a rope in the gym recently. <laughs> a little RMT rope action. That stuff's fun. But that's just like playing around, but it's moving and it's just Again, just like walking, it's increasing blood flow. It's you're still cat. You're still catabolizing circulation. Catabol catabolizing catabolic state ish. Well, I'm not too catabolic because it's, it's light. Yeah, it's light. So I'm just moving. So, but I'm getting more. I'm getting more neat. Getting more neat. Getting more neat. I do think that treating recovery as training can be a healthy mindset shift. 
That doesn't mean that you never seek out intensity. Again, I think it's very important that people do seek out intensity, but it should be relatively brief and not too frequent. And pay attention to your body's response to training. Exactly. We do have an episode on that. We do. But then spend the rest of your time outside your training trying to move in a lot of ways that make your body feel good. Mm. And that could just be things like playing. Playing. Which we're going to get into next. But what are some things that we can implement into maybe your daily routine or your routines or maybe that change in direction that we talked about earlier to maximize your recovery? Yeah, so some things that you can start doing right now, I would say do some soft tissue work while you watch your, your favorite TV show. Inventing Anna, Love is Blind had a season two. Ooh. So if you haven't watched that, give that, a, give that, check that out. The we're Bachelor, not getting paid by them, but we're just, not. just FYI. It's all trash TV. The Bachelor <laughs> is getting pretty spicy if you're into that. Ooh. But anyways, just uh, as you're watching that show, whatever it may be, maybe it's Peacemaker on HBO. That's a funny one too. <laughs> just do a little soft tissue work. You can work into your glutes against the wall your erectors against the wall, your upper traps against the wall. You can foam roll your quads. Just something is better than nothing. You can stretch for five to 10 minutes before you go to bed. Like that's an easy thing to do. It's a, it's a limited amount of time. Five minutes is really not that much. And you may actually sleep better. And guess what? That's going to help you recover better. Ah. Play more and experiment. So like I mentioned, a lot of people saw me or may have seen me playing around with the rope at the gym. Yep. That's just like a fun thing that I'm experimenting with, trying to learn different patterns and I enjoy it. It's it's uh it's an intrinsic intrinsically valuable thing to me. You also get to make some mental strides because now you have to learn how to figure out this puzzle. Exactly. And it certainly is a puzzle. Cal and I would spent like yeah. 30 minutes one day being like, how did this guy do this? We still can't get the matador. We can't get the matador. Uh, shout out Weck Method. Help us out. Try a brief cold shower. Dip your toes, metaphorically speaking, but also figuratively, mm. into some cold water. Or, well, yeah, there's, I'm not, yeah, not going to say or, but this is what I've been doing with cold, cold water now that you talk about it. It's my morning shower is... A hot shower for most of it and then mm. the last 30 seconds just end with cold turn that sucker cold that's actually a good point i was gonna say that earlier but forgot to yeah i've done that before too because like it does suck to get right into a cold shower yes but if you're in there and you're like all right i'm just gonna crank it to cold and just be there for as long as i can it actually does feel pretty good once you get out yeah feel nice and refreshed and awake Add a daily 30-minute walk. 30 minutes is not a huge amount of time. I think most of us can maybe find 30 minutes. Unless you're on Hyde Street, maybe you want to walk a different street. Yep. Just turn the other way. (laughs) And then do five minutes of breath work right when you wake up. So a lot of people swear by something like that, even if it's not five minutes. I mean, and that that can can really kind of jumpstart your day. You know, you're just bringing more oxygen into your body. And, and just like increasing your, your circulation right when you wake up. So, yeah, I mean, so those are some real easy things that people can tap into. And who knows, it may just like open up Pandora's box. Pandora's recovery box. Pandora's recovery box. Box, box, box. And with that. Avoid the bullshit. Bullshit, bullshit. bullshit. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you again for listening to the P13 podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. This podcast was produced by Project 13 Gyms and a special thanks to Studio Pod Media for providing the studio space and additional production. Absolutely. You can find us on social media on Instagram at Project 13 Gyms. You can find myself at Kemifan. That is K-E-M-I-F-A-N. How about you, Thomas? Where can they find you on your social media? You can find me at Conway Bunga. That's C-O-N-W-A-Y. B-U-N-G-A. You can also check us out at project13gyms.com. And if you're in the SF area, come train with us at Project 13 Gyms in Lower Knob Hill.